Yuval Zoma graduated from London's Royal College of Art with an MA in Illustration. After working as a creative director at many leading advertising agencies, his passion for picture books went out and he is now the author and illustrator of several highly acclaimed children's books, including The Big Book of Bugs, The Big Book of the Blue and 100 Bones, plus illustrations for Charlotte Gillane's The Street Beneath My Feet and The Skies Above My Eyes. Nicky Gamble met with Yuval to discuss his latest work. I'd like to start, first of all, if we may, by exploring a little bit about your illustration background. I remember uh, seeing one of your first books, uh, the, the Big Book of Bugs, and just being completely transfixed by this book and thinking, who is this Yuval Zuma? It's uh, just amazing. And since then, there have been many other books, and each one has uh, been equally delightful. But you emerged on this scene, and I didn't know much about you and your background. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your kind of background in art. I actually went to the Royal College of Art and studied illustration many, many years ago. And um, at the time... Children's literature was something that was not pushed or encouraged at art school. People were encouraged to be avant-garde or whatever, but the the culture that we have today of of wonderful, uh, beautiful picture books, both for fiction and non-fiction, wasn't as we are today. Today we have definitely a better, um, more diverse and more artistic and and it's changed a lot much more aesthetically pleasing books Um, so when I was at school as a student um, although I was doing illustration and art I was fascinated by books always and I wanted to kind of do my own stuff but um, it was a matter of time and as soon as I finished college I did what other people do which is going to advertising which was great because I loved working on commercials and doing ads and there's been a lot of famous writers who started in advertising writing Mm -hmm. copy and I always used to be partnered with a copywriter and I always used to pester my copywriter saying would you please write a story and I'll draw the pictures and I'll come up with a character and we can do a picture book together and you know I just kept going on about it and People work and and full-time and it's difficult. So at the end, I just thought, okay, I'll just have to write it myself. And I started writing my own stories. Because I had the pictures in my mind. It always comes as a visual. Um, So I thought, I'll just write them now. So I carried on with advertising, but I always wanted to go into picture books and um, do my own personal stuff. And after a while, I just got to a stage where I thought, I don't want to work on sort of products and briefs and and whatever. I just want to do my own thing, and I want to do it exactly how I would like it to be. And I want to reach kids as opposed to reach people who buy consumer products that I'm not interested in but I kind of got beyond that got a lot of experience in advertising about um, design and photography and and film or whatever and I thought I really want to do now my own stuff and I just sent stuff I basically started sending stuff unsolicited uh, to publishers 
you know, not getting anywhere kind of thing. And um, I went to adult education at the wonderful City Lit. And I thought, okay, um, I'll learn a little bit more about children's literature and, and try and get a project done. And one of my projects, I thought, my God, this is something where people actually you know, like. So I did send that off and that became the big book of the blue, which was my first picture book in 2014. And I carried on ever since. It's very interesting listening to you talk about that because a lot of people learn their craft in advertising, whether it's writing or illustration or indeed filmmakers as well. Uh, Is there anything, any disciplines or skills that you uh, picked up from that work that directly support the making of children's books? Absolutely, because you're working to very tough deadlines. Um, So advertising does teach you a certain discipline, which is about deadline. Um, It's about being economic with words because you have to write copy or headlines. It's got to be always very short, but convey a whole story. Or if you're doing a commercial, you have to tell a story in 30 seconds or get your message across. So it does teach you, especially for writers, to be quite economical with words, but powerful. There is a lot of um, how do I get my message across to people who are bombarded with other messages and images, what stands out. And, um, yeah, I did learn a lot, and I do use it now in terms of process. So, again, uh, very useful, very interesting uh, to hear about that connection. What's the process of creating the images for you? What do you do? What I really, really loved about the street beneath my feet and the skies above my eyes was it was a format that's very unusual and I fell in love with this concept by the publisher as soon as I I heard it because it's a continuous artwork. Like most books, you just turn the page and a new scene would start. This one, everything flows, whether we go down all the way from street level to the centre of the earth or whether we go from street level up into the skies and space and infinity. Um, It's one long piece of artwork across 2.5 metres or a concertina fold. But that was a challenge of doing something that just flows through the book seamlessly, uh, yet it shows you different bits and pieces and different um, layers. And when they offered me the street beneath my feet... I thought, this is too interesting not to do. It might be a tough one, but I can't turn it down. And I fell in love with the concept immediately. And I could see it also. I could already visualise it as one long stretch thing. I thought kids would love to be able to actually open up something on the floor, in the corridor, outside or even hang it on the wall Mm. and I just decided I had to do it and by the time we came to the skies above my eyes I still haven't figured out how to do it but I still loved the concept and said I'll do it so that was it Mm. yeah you didn't have one long sheet of paper when you were working no no what you do is you actually I actually work digitally which means I have a file which is in disproportion and eats up so much memory I cannot think about and but everything had to work digitally on my computer and it did make a difference because I had to look at things 
kind of vertically. So it was a very different experience to work on these books, whereas normally you just think, you know, the screen format, the television format, everything is very much horizontal landscape. I think because our eye is attracted to horizon, yeah. And we think along the horizon yeah, line, don't we, yeah. rather than yeah. going up. Yeah. I haven't tried this, but um, with the two books, can you make one long piece? We're going to try <laughs> this now. Let's put them on the Let's put it on the So you didn't have to think about them as separate images, one joined on top of the other. I images. can tell you now, um, we had to kind of work from the text in terms of what goes where. Mm. We also had to change the text a bit. Mm. But what I really like, which is something um, for all my books, is, especially for non-fiction, mm. um, I have a pet hate, which is when you have some image on one page and then mm. you have a text in a very chunky paragraph mm completely separate on the other page or underneath, but not in the picture. So my idea is always to have the text in the story. So as you read it, you are where you're supposed to be in a part of the journey. Mm -hmm. So basically, images and words work together. So for me, reading should always follow the visuals and vice versa, and I never have text which is separate to the picture. That's another challenge which in these books is particularly important because you have to actually make sure that your text actually goes on the right bit of landscape or plant or fossil or, or planet without having any white background for text. Yes. If the words are part of the story and your reading experience is actually travelling through it, it's even more fun for children mm. than having to look at something than having to read about it separately, yeah. which is a bit like a museum where you have something hanging on the wall and then you have the little explanation underneath. Yeah. And I think that's a disconnect which I try and avoid. Yeah. And luckily enough, we managed it on every single bit, so I'm, I'm very pleased. It does mean that sometimes you have to think about should I have the type on the moon or should I have the type in the sun or are we going to reverse type and have it as white out of black? Um, so the production time on this is actually lengthier than a standard uh, picture book because there's so much design and effort to, that goes into it to make it a seamless uh, journey. And then, of course, you have to, as you say, just think about the actual readability Yes. Where the text yeah. occurs, can a child actually read it yeah. uh, where it is? Yeah, so. it's a headache for the art designer and production, and it takes a few goes till we get it together. But we do actually look at um, readability and allowing space for the words and making sure that the words and the pictures work together, which is the secret of these journeys, mm. I would say. Um, worth yeah. the effort. It's definitely yes, worth the effort. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> it does mean that we change the text mm. and vice versa, um, mm. just to make sure it really does mm. connect. Um, so it's a team effort. So you work digitally. Yeah. What what digital tools do you use to create the images? Okay. Um, when I went to CityLit, I tried lots of different things, and I fell in love with a Wacom tablet, which allows you to draw or paint, you can use your 
pen as a brush or a pencil or crayon, whatever it is, digitally on a huge graphic tablet and it shows on screen. And um, I was inspired by David Hockney, mm. who I thought was ancient but still experimenting. And he had an exhibition on a while ago at the Royal Academy of um, drawings that he did on the iPad. Mm. And what I liked about it was that it didn't look digital. It looked like David Hockney. You could recognise it was a David Hockney artwork. It wasn't something generic. And I thought a lot of people approach digital as something very kind of generic. It doesn't have to be. If you look at David Hockney, you can see how he loves to experiment with technology and his Mm -hmm. prints or whatever they are, are David Hockney's unmistakably. And I thought, this is... I can do whatever I like. I can draw, I can paint, I can sketch on the Wacom. It saves me having to do all bits of paper because my stuff is very textured and very layered and so much detail. And um, I then ordered the biggest Wacom tablet I could find, the extra large, and I got myself the biggest table I could have. And instead of having piles and piles of brushes and pens and paper and, you know, they were just taking up space, I now have my Apple computer and my Wacom And that's it. Um, I really think it's a medium in its own. Mm. And yes, I know some people say it's my stuff is painterly, but I don't paint as such. And I think it's got a lot of things that that free you. And for books, it's particularly important because something like this, which involves lots and lots of information and lots of lots of layers and putting together stuff, it does give you the ability uh, for you and your art director to kind of put the project together in a way that you cannot do with art on Mm -hmm. paper, which I know I still might come back to at some stage. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, I find um, the vacuum and the way I work allows me um, to really produce the textures that I want and to change the compositions, and and I find it amazing. So I I definitely haven't looked back. (laughs) Yes. I think you used some really interesting language there. You talk about David Hockney and that um, his work doesn't appear generic, it is David Hockney. And uh, when you were talking there, you talked about looking back and uh, the, the fact that there was a time before you used the technology. And so in a way, perhaps that's what stops it from being generic because you had already established yourself as an artist. And maybe that's the difference between people just starting with the digital oh yeah i should add i was for years and years working in traditional media and i worked with everything from canvases and paints and watercolors and um, i was trained with life drawing and and the whole thing so i am somebody who was classically trained but now working digitally Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who's only ever uh, grew up with an iPad or a tablet and never touched paper or paint or brushes or pencils. Um, So yes, I think your training or your experience might, Mm -hmm. you bring it with you to to the new medium, I think. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, when I go and do school visits or festivals, I get back to basics and I draw with kids and we use 
crayons and pencils and paper and even felt-tip markers and <laughs> glitter pens and whatever children's like, uh, because I think it's about the drawing, it's not about the medium so much, mm, yes. Yeah. Can we talk about that yeah, for a little while? Because yeah. I know that uh, that's something that does really fascinate you. Uh, what, do, what really inspires you about the way that children draw? Well, I think children have a confidence when they draw, when they're not restricted by rules or they don't know about perspective or whatever it is, the light or whatever it is we want them to know. And they just, unlike adults who hesitate and have to think and plan whatever it is that goes on a page, a child doesn't. They use the space on the page immediately and their lines are confident and their colours are bright and their expressions are vivid and there's something about a child's drawing wherever you see it whether it's something that parents put up on the fridge or something that's done in in school or whatever that's very joyful and um, you can see it was done by somebody who's under 10 as opposed to an adult I think with adults it changes because then we have other notions and things are much more kind of um, influenced or whatever children are instinctive And I think their drawings tell you a lot about um, how open they are and how they have no agenda. They just like the sun in the sky and the rainbow and the clouds and the flowers and the garden and the beetles and the slugs and whatever it is they will draw for you or their pet. It's done with a lot of um, pleasure or just a curious sort of um, intensity of looking at the world, mm-hmm. which we later on, because we get busy or whatever, somehow we, we kind of tend to shut it down and, and not look at the wonderful things around us so much with open eyes. And I think children's drawing reflect that. I think a lot of the time when people connect with the books or when children connect with the books is because for them they can see the joy of when I draw in the artwork because I think that's what kind of clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or maybe they think it's childish, I don't know. <laughs> but there's something there where they respond to it mm-hmm. um, and it's directed at them. There is a lot of non-fiction at the moment which is very beautiful and very, very stylish. Uh, however, not all of it is directed at children. Some of it is produced as coffee table books which are to be admired. However, I like to directly address my target readership so I do it for them I don't do it for the coffee table I want it to be in the classroom I want it to be shared I want it to be borrowed from the library I want the teachers to work projects around it Um, so I think that's the way I approach it Mm. yeah I think that's an essential and really important point Um, we have to be uh, careful not to be seduced by something that is just beautiful for its own sake that there are other considerations when we're thinking about publishing for children and so to hear you talk about that child's eye view of the world uh, I find that really refreshing and very important Um, can I just ask with regard to children and, and their artwork whether you feel that they should be taught or should they just be left to their own devices and 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 if you are thinking about teaching art, where would you step in? Where, where does that happen? I think they should be encouraged. 
I think left to their own devices, no, because children are thirsty for knowledge and they want to know. And sometimes they ask me if I can show them how I draw stuff or they want to draw something and I show them how and then they do it in their way. But children are about learning all the time. They, they actually eat and knowledge and information and, and, you know, so yes, you have to teach them. But drawing or art is a form of expression, just like reading and writing is. It's a language, it's a visual language. So it is very important that we develop it uh, without changing the character or whatever it is, the, the you know, tonality um, of the drawing, so the child can still express themselves freely, but help them make it you know, the best drawing they can or show them. I always, what I do is I do it very simply. I explain to them about how I draw things, how I start with shapes or colours, how I add detail, how I try and make it like an expression to convey some emotion. So I just kind of show them three steps of how to draw, um, starting with a block shape, then adding the detail, whether it's fins or tails or fair or whatever, then adding the character and, and is it friendly or is it um, wild, whatever it is they want to convey. And they seem to understand, they, they have an idea of what they want to show. Um, so yes, you can help them. Teaching them about art is like teaching them about a la- language and it helps some of them express themselves in a way that perhaps they can't get without, mm. with words because they're not articulate enough. Mm. Um, or there's something they can't tell you in a sentence, but they can show you as a picture. So I think, yes, it's, we should encourage it. And um, definitely also nowadays where we just have children swiping and not actually creating stuff, um, so whether it's writing or whether it's drawing, as long as they're creating something themselves as opposed to just being bombarded with ready-made stuff, I think that's good. There's a theme that runs through your books, yeah. through most of them, which is to do with the natural world. Yeah. Can we look ahead to what's coming next for you? Are you sticking with uh, books within this field of nature, nature study, the world around us? Is there something, some new project that we have to look forward to? Yeah, I love nature. I think Mother Nature is the best artist because it combines... I think Mother Nature is the best scientist and artist because... There is beauty if you look closely at things and see patterns, textures, colours. Everybody's influenced by nature. It's, it's, that's it. And science-wise, it's created so many sophisticated beings like ourselves and amazing creatures and, you know, some extraordinary abilities and the way their ecosystems work or whatever. I don't think we can be better artists or scientists. So I always take it from nature uh, as something that's the inspiration and it's free, it's all around us um, and we should protect it so yeah, but I have written a poem which is based on the natural world but it's a Christmas story because I quite like Christmas, but it's not this year, but uh, yes, it's a picture book and um, a seasonal one, a festive one, but about you know, a certain season and I'm looking forward to that too 